a widow with nothing gives her last coins, prompting Jesus to call attention to her and to the system that should protect her, but instead leaves her in poverty. This is the backdrop for our service from St Ninian's Church in Stonehouse today. My name is Stuart and I get to be the minister here. It's my pleasure to welcome you from wherever you are. Today we will celebrate communion together. All are welcome to join and so please take a moment to get some bread and wine or a suitable alternative and share in this meal of grace together. Today I'm joined by Lewis and Catherine in leading worship. Today's reading is taken from Mark chapter 12 verses 38 to 44. As he taught them, he said, Watch out for the teachers of the law, who like to walk around in their long robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplace, who choose the reserved seats in the synagogues and the best places at feasts. They take advantage of widows and rob them of their homes, and then make a show of saying long prayers. Their punishment will be all the worse. As Jesus sat near the temple treasury, he watched the people as they dropped in their money. Many rich men dropped in a lot of money. Then a poor widow came along and dropped in two little copper coins worth about a penny. He called his disciples together and said to them, I tell you that this poor widow put more in the offering box than all the others, for the others put in what they had to spare of their riches, but she, poor as she is, put in all she had. She gave all she had to live on. There's a lot going on in our service here today. And it would be really easy to squeeze out the reflection on our scripture reading. And in many ways, to do that would be an ironic manifestation of all the issues that the reading deals with. We could get on with the religious stuff. It's been a long, long time since we've been able to sit here together and to share in the Lord's Supper. Today, perhaps more than any other day, we should focus on that gift of grace and community. We could also get on with the administrative stuff Someone has officially joined our number today, and for that, we rightly give thanks and celebrate. In our service today, we also install Fiona as our new session clerk. And we give thanks to those who have served our community selflessly for many years, and it's absolutely right that we should do those things today. But we should also pause and take a moment to observe this scene that Mark paints for us, because to ignore it, well, down that road lies a danger that we should all be wary of, probably me more than anyone else. There's always a danger that we end up celebrating ourselves and our positions just a little too much. The church, it seems, has always been a place where power and control are available. I mentioned last week that the Church of Scotland is based on a system of courts with lots of rules and procedures, and in lots of ways that's great. Rules let us all know where we stand. But there are also problems with rules. Rules can't cover every eventuality, so sometimes the rules need interpreted and they need someone to apply them. And sometimes the people who get chosen to do the interpreting and the implying bend the rules to suit themselves and their friends. And sometimes they even make new rules to keep them in power and to stop others from taking it from them. I'm sure you'll struggle to think of any contemporary examples of this happening. 
The scribes are in charge of the temple system. It's important to remember that Israel at this time is what we would now call a theocracy, a government system based on religious rules. There's no separation between church and state. It's all the same thing. And systems need people to make them happen. Way back in the time of Moses, one of the 12 tribes, the tribe of Levi, was given responsibility for the religious life of the community. And by default, because it was a theocracy, they were also in charge of the political life of the community too. If they were doing that, then they couldn't do the working or soldiering that the other 11 tribes did. So they needed a system where the Levites, the religious workers, would be looked after. So there was a tax on the other 11 tribes. They gave a proportion, a tenth of their produce to the Levites. Now we call that the minister's stipend. It's the same idea. That worked fine until the Israelites stopped wandering and settled down. What happened then was the system was tweaked a bit. They built a great big temple and they needed to pay for that. So they came up with a temple tax. A small payment was made and a proportion of the offerings that were given were taken as food. I suppose in our recent history, that would have been the practice of paying pew rent. People sat in their family pew and paid a small fee every month for that privilege. Over time, though the proportions go up, and the people who are chosen by God to do a particular job, well, that makes you important. Add some human frailty into the mix and you get a pretty heady cocktail of power, authority and status with very few checks and balances. It's a bit like, well, a government voting to suspend the rules for holding themselves accountable. I know, it's hard to imagine what could possibly go wrong. Setting someone apart to do things that other people aren't allowed to do with no accountability is a bad idea. Give them some kind of fancy outfit too and well, I think we all know what could happen then. It's in the middle of that pomposity that Jesus sees a rich man making a great show of his gift to the temple and the poor widow giving the last of what she has. The rich man is giving what he can afford. It's a bit like the ultra-wealthy giving eye-watering sums to charity. The numbers are so big that we have to be impressed, but in reality, it's pocket change to them. This story poses some hugely important questions. Why is it that the woman finds herself in this position? Why does she only have two small coins left? And why is she there, giving her last to a system that very obviously doesn't care about her. This story has often been separated from what surrounds it and used as a rallying cry for giving more money to the church. I'm not going to tell you that you shouldn't think about what you give, we all should. But I want to be very clear. There should never, ever be a case where you're giving more than you can afford to St Ninians or any other church. And that's actually partly what this story is about. The woman can't afford this offering, but her faith has been abused by the powerful. They have made her think that this is what is required of her. Widows were perhaps the most precarious position of all in Jesus' time, especially if there was no wider family to look after them when their husband died. If that happened, then they were pretty much on their own. The church was supposed to look after them, 
women couldn't inherit property. If a widow's husband had no brothers or sons, then his property went to the authorities, and they in turn were supposed to pay the widow a pension, but it was never enough. I've never understood people who say that faith and politics don't mix, because so much of what Jesus says is about justice. And justice is about how we organise our communities, how we look after people and make sure that everyone has enough. This story we've so often used to guilt people into putting a bit more in the offering plate each week is actually a damning indictment of the political decisions of the day and their impact on the very poorest in society. Jesus' comments are pretty straightforward in that context. Remember, the Gospel of Mark is all about power. Those with power can be seen swanning around in their fancy outfits, eating at the best places, keeping company with the rich, and all without any regard for their responsibility to look after people like this poor widow. Perhaps this offering from the widow is a protest. It seems that people all know that this is all that she has. Perhaps she's come to highlight the injustice that she and so many others face. The problem for these leaders isn't that Jesus is there. Over the years there have been loads of prophets and preachers who have said, well, much the same thing as Jesus. The Hebrew scriptures, we know them as the Old Testament, are full of people like Jeremiah and Isaiah and Amos, all railing against the injustices of their time. Well, it's not like anything changed much. It's still easy to sideline people, to pretend to consult, to listen, and then to do the opposite or to do nothing. Just two days before the COP26 began, our government cut the duty on internal flights and froze fuel duty. I wonder who will benefit most from that and who will suffer. The problem the leaders have is that people like this widow might realise what's happening and start to complain or protest. They might start to believe that it doesn't have to be this way, that change is possible. And that's been the issue all along. Jesus presents the people with an alternative, a real alternative, and he shows them that it's possible, and they believe him. Criticism is important. It means that we care. We should, like Jesus, be able to tell truth to power and to call out the injustices that we see, both big and small. And as we share in this bread and wine, we should remember all that it symbolises. It speaks of love spilled out, but also the cost of being the one who calls out the powerful. It speaks of grace, so abundant that there's enough for all of us, and also that there'll be resistance to it, often from people closest to us. And if these things, if this place, if these rituals ever become anything other than a political statement about our solidarity with the poor and the marginalised, then we've strayed a very, very long way from the kingdom of God that Jesus brings close.
this table is spread for you. The old and the young, the long-timers and the newcomers. For those who feel at home and those who are just settling in. It's the table of our Lord, where grace is extended to all. So come, come and join the feast. You for whom this is new and you who do this often. Here, know the grace of God embraces you. Feel welcome and valued and affirmed because the God who loves us all makes us here in bread and wine. We'll all eat together and then drink together as one community of faith, one body united in Christ. Hear the institution of the Lord's Supper as it was recorded by the Apostle Paul. I received from the Lord, which I also handed on to you, that the Lord Jesus Christ, on the night when he was betrayed, took a loaf of bread, and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body that is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took a cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's join in a prayer of thanksgiving. Lift up your hearts. We lift our hearts to the Lord. We give thanks to the Lord our God because it's right to give our thanks and praise. We offer you thanks, creator, saviour, giver of life. From the beginning, you have made yourself known. The heavens proclaim your glory and the earth sings your praise. In wisdom, you made all that there is and you bless us with the earth's fruitfulness. You are merciful and gracious and abounding in love. Yet from our first day, we've disobeyed your will. Lord, long ago, you called to yourself a people to shine as a light, to guide all the nations to your presence. You led them to freedom. You revealed to them your law and taught them through your prophets. Finally, you sent your promised son, Jesus Christ, who shared our human nature and understood our weakness. Born of Mary, he showed forth your love by word and sign. Therefore, with all your people in heaven and on earth, we sing the triumphant hymn of your glory. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Gathered here today, we give thanks to God for being a God of surprises. A God who constantly challenges us to think again, to hold back from making harsh judgments, but to speak out against injustice. A God who encourages us to see everything in a different light. A God who's always prepared to give us another chance to turn around and find our way back to love. As we take our place at this table, 
we find ourselves cheeked by jowl with the great company of saints, the living and the dead, those in whose company we are at peace, and those in whose company, well, we feel uneasy, those we expected to find here, and those whose presence surprises us. We come bringing with us all those who are left out, excluded and forgotten. And we pray for all who suffer today. Those fighting for survival in the midst of war. Those forced to flee their homes, their countries and their loved ones. We pray for those who fear strangers and are unable to welcome those who are different. We pray that we, as people of the world, along with our leaders, can work together for peace and for justice and an equal sharing of the earth's resources. Give us the will to make space for one another, to always expect and hope that things and people can change and to know that we are always held in your love. Come, Creator God, renew the face of the earth. Come, Eternal Saviour, remake us in your likeness. Come, Holy Spirit, transform these gifts, that Christ may be known to us in the breaking of bread, and that we may be strengthened to serve him in the world. May we on earth be one with all Christ's people, and when all things are complete, be raised up with him and with all your faithful servants in heavenly places, the homeland which we seek by faith and where you reign in glory, Father, Son and Holy Spirit, one God forever. Amen. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread he blessed it and broke it and shared it with his friends. We now do the same, obeying his commandment. We do this to remember him. After supper, he took the cup, he blessed it and shared it with his friends, a symbol of a new start with God. Sharing it, he said, do this to remember me. And so we share this cup and we join in that new start and we remember him. The peace of God be with you all. Let us pray. Loving God, Father, Son and Spirit, with us now and always, we come in prayer for others and ourselves. God of creation, we come in wonder and awe 
at all that you have done, all that you have made, all that you have given. But we come in prayer for our world, for our planet, for our home. Help us to be better custodians to care for your creation and ensure that the damage already done will not continue. God of redemption, we come humbly to this place of sanctuary, to this time of worship together in your name. But we come in prayer for all those who are disenfranchised, all those impacted by greed and violence, all those left behind. Help us to be better friends and neighbours. Help our leaders to care for all. Help our country and community to work constantly for peace and security at home and in every place. God of sustenance, we come this week in challenging times for your church, in difficult times for your people, in uncertain times for your congregations, but we come in prayer for hope that we will find new ways, for boldness to try and to trust, for confidence to walk through the door that you hold open, even though what lies ahead is unknown. Loving God, Father, Son and Spirit, with us now and always, in your compassion, your love and your care, you came among us and stay among us. So be with us and hear our prayers for others and ourselves. We continue our prayers in the words you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory forever. Amen. As we leave this sacred place, we return to the outside world, which is also sacred. God, go with us as we share your good news with the world, as we build a new world that's sacred and loving. May God bless us in all that we do and say, that blessing of God Almighty, Creator, Source and Spirit, be with us this day and every day. Amen. Food Bank Collection is every Sunday from 1 to 2.30pm here at the church. Boys Brigade, 
The anchor boys have already started back. Junior section is for those in P4 to P6, and that starts at 6.45pm and finishes at 8pm. And the company section, that's P7 to S6, is from 8pm until 9.30pm. Raffle tickets for a beautiful Christmas quilt made by Anne Thompson and Agnes Barr are on sale. Tickets are £2 and will be on sale throughout November. The draw will be made at the end of November. Night Church restarts on Sunday the 7th of November at 7.30 until 9pm. This is a quiet space where you can come and spend some time with your own thoughts, staying for as long as you wish. Towards the end, there will be a time of prayer together. Articles for the Link magazine, as soon as possible please, to Avril or email them to me. We've been waiting to see what activities will be on over Christmas and what other groups have been able to restart. Remember, the magazine covers all the next few months, so if you have anything planned for January, February and March, then please include them so we can let people know. The Guild meets on Monday the 8th of November at 7.30pm and the speaker is Avril Cutler. She's the Senior Healthcare Chaplain at NHS Lanarkshire who will talk about hospital chaplaincy in a time of pandemic. The Guild is open to women and men of all ages and even though I'm probably a bit biased, I think you'll find Avril's story of the last two years fascinating. The Fundraising Committee meets on Monday the 9th of November at 7pm in the church and the Craft Night resumes every fourth Monday so in November, that's Monday the 22nd of November at 7pm. 